Giants, what I'm about. And what I'm about is an old school physical mentality. Okay? We're going to put a product on the field that the people of this city and region will be proud of. Because this team will represent this area. We'll play fast, we'll play downhill, we'll play aggressive. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes, we'll play every play like it's a history and a life of its own with a relentless competitive attitude. Go on, everybody. Good evening. Welcome to Big Blue Avenue. I'm Tom Scavetta, joined alongside my two lovely co-hosts, Sam Cardona, who's right below me, and then Hank and Dictor, who is to my left. Hank, Sam, how are you tonight? Oh, doing great, Tom. Um, not so great about the Giants. Uh, we have a lot to discuss in terms of what the heck happened on Sunday, but otherwise, doing doing fantastic. How are you? I mean, unless we're unless we're talking about the Giants, I'm going to say, eh, can't complain. Doing all right. <laughs> um, speaking of the Giants, we have a great interview lined up tonight, folks. If you're watching us, Mike Vivolo from True Blue New York Giants will be joining the show. We actually pre-recorded a segment with him. And uh, Sam, by the way, hope you enjoyed your trip overseas. I know you spent the weekend in Italy, so I hope that was a lot of fun for you. It was great. Yeah, my cousin's wedding was this weekend. Um, it was postponed from last year, obviously, due to COVID. Um, it was a fast trip. Um, I'm still slightly jet lagged. Um, and the city of New York will not stop calling me because I traveled overseas and they're making sure I don't have COVID. Um, so it's a lot of things going on. But the wedding was gorgeous, beautiful. It was a really great time. So Awesome. And folks, we got merch. Uh our official Review and Preview merchandise store is now open on Bonfire. We'll give you a little graphic of the image there. You can see we have short sleeve tees, long sleeve tees, sweatshirts, and coffee mugs available. That is just the beginning of our campaign. You can buy it on Bonfire. We have a lot of awesome products on there. So please, if you like watching our podcast, feel free to help out the brand. Really do appreciate it. Um, we do get some of those proceeds that go back to us. And a quick reminder, if you're not following us on social media already, please do so. We are on Big Blue Avenue on Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Big Blue Avenue as we are a sub-show of Review and Preview Sports. From Italy to merch. Good segue. That's how we <laughs> roll, John. That's how we roll. Shout out, John Rankin. Um, I know I am a video Good game job. character in his NCAA football game. So uh, <laughs> keep up, keep, keep up the good work, John. Keep, keep up the good work. Really appreciate you, buddy. Um, gosh, where do I even start? So the Giants just, this game perfectly defines the Giants season so far. The Giants are one and four. Uh, they fall short to the Cowboys. 44 to 20. This is what I was not expecting. Both of you predicted a Giants win. I predicted a Cowboys win, but I thought it would be a lot more competitive. Hank, 
You and I both watched this game very closely. What I didn't expect was for us to lose Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and Kenny Galladay. Yeah, no. That Listen, I'm not surprised. Even though I picked the Giants win, I never said I was confident in that for the record. Just wanted to put it out there. But what I was not expecting like you was the amount of injuries that they had. But then again, when you consider the Giants luck over the past few years, I'm not entirely surprised. I mean, look, I love Daniel Jones as much as you do, but like with the style that they have him do with him running, I always get scared that he's going to find a way to hurt himself. And like, this is the second time in the past few years that we've seen him get a bad injury and it's not good. And I can go on about why the guy on the Cowboys should have been fined for it, or at the very least should have gotten a penalty for it. But that's an issue for another day. This is about the giants and just, how much of another utter train wreck it was and seeing Saquon go off and seeing all the pic- the graphic picture of his ankle. Like if that wasn't a bad omen for what that game was like, I don't know what was. And I-, I don't know what to say. The defense just, again, they can't stop the run. It's nothing new this year. And I could go on about, you know, how much losing Tomlinson and Hill hurt, but oh, well, what are you going to do? And <laughs> JR, it would be an honor to be a character in your NCAA game. I love it. <laughs> Sam, before I get to your thoughts, I just want to say that this game really threw me off because Cowboys opening possession, they're facing a fourth and two, and Lorenzo Carter comes up with a massive interception. I'm like, great. But then Graham Gano, who's been Mr. Reliable, misses his second field goal of the season on a 54 54- yarder and then the cowboys would capitalize with one of their own reaching the giants 12 and hank once we missed that field goal i had a really bad feeling about this football game because dak doesn't turn the ball over often so when you get a turnover off of him you have to take advantage because the giants would force another one after being down three nothing they'd force a three and out and then the cowboys would get the ball back after the giants punted Now they're at the Giants' five-yard line, and then Dak fumbles on an aborted snap recovered by Reggie Ragland. It's just insane. The Giants forced two turnovers from Dallas in the first quarter and came away with no points. Yeah, no, that was crazy. I mean, I kept thinking when Lorenzo Carter had that tip interception, I was, like, jumping up and down. I'm like, yes, this is finally going to be their day. And then when, when Gano missed it, I was like, I had the same look that Sam had not too long ago that JR was commenting on. I'm like, how does that happen? Like, but then again, am I surprised? No, I've seen this way too many times with the Giants. You, you think they're going to look good, but then all of a sudden they miss a field goal. And then I was probably even more shocked that Tech fumbled it in the red zone, to be honest with you, because as you said, he doesn't make those mistakes. And then I remember telling people like during most of the first half, the fact that they were only down 10 to three was kind of, kind of a win in of itself considering the way the Giants were playing. And then, you know, they had that drive where they were going to score that touchdown. But then, unfortunately, you know, I think that Daniel Jones injury just ruined it. And even though Booker scored from, like, what was it, the two-yard line, like, it didn't – it didn't. I don't know about you. It didn't feel to me like the Giants tied the game after that. It just, like – because Daniel Jones got hurt and you knew he probably wasn't going to be back for the, for the remaining game. Like, I never felt after a touchdown, like, so, like, just – glum afterwards you know what i'm saying what was crazy was tony had a 38 yard catch on a third and 10 catch and run i said i should say and then had a 
had 42 receiving yards on that touchdown drive, including a 28-yarder on the third and four. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the Giants try to run some stupid play-action RPO where Jones gets hit in the helmet by Jabril Cox, which we'll talk about that a little bit later on in our turnover T segment. But uh, first half again, Giants tie the game, and then all of a sudden Dak just marches down the field. They hit Dalton Schultz a few times, who tore us up, as I predicted. Well, I didn't start on my fantasy team, but I knew he was going to have a decent game. Um, and then Dallas is up 17-10 to 10 at the half. Sam, I don't know what it is. The Giants just can't get any luck on the road against Dallas. They can't win in Jerry World. Uh, it's been since 2016. It's been that long, and I don't know what it is. When I were, was watching the highlights of this game, um, one of the main things I noticed was the noise in this stadium was absurd. So that probably wasn't helping the Giants offense trying to communicate with one another. Not saying that that's the reason why they lost because there was a whole other, like a whole lot of things going on. But when I was like kind of watching these highlights, the first half really wasn't that bad. Like obviously there was a lot of mistakes happening, but it really could have been reconciled within the second half once Daniel went down, that was kind of like, oh, this is not going to be good. And obviously it was like right at the end of that, almost at the end of the half. That second half, it was hard to watch. It was genuinely hard to watch with everything that was going on with, um, you know, Mike Glennon coming in, throwing two interceptions, one of those being a pick six. Like, it's just very obvious that the Giants, especially with all of these injuries, it is just falling apart before our eyes. We had that last week where it was like this glimmer of hope with the fact that we were like, wow, we just beat the New Orleans Saints. Like we would have never in a million years thought that we were going to beat this team. And coming into this with the injuries and then injuries stacked on top of injuries, I am just, it, it just doesn't seem like anything is working out for us. And the second I saw that Saquon was out, I was like, this is not real. Like this cannot be happening to us right now. So hopefully as time goes on, our injuries recover because I know they said Saquon's only out for two to four weeks. So it's not too, too bad. It's not season ending, but it it is not. It's not looking good for us, especially for this upcoming week. His ankle just like ballooned on that one play. He literally fell on a Dallas defender. Um, just awful landing. And the poor kid has no luck. I mean, the poor man, I should say. He's not a kid anymore. Um <laughs> Like lies, Tom. The last time they won in Jerry World was when you played Madden last night. LOL. <laughs> um, I wish uh, KT had a breakout game. Yeah, we'll talk about Tony in a little bit. Why the hell is Mike Glenn in the backup? So many other people to be the backup out there. Um, why the hell not? I mean, I, I still stand by that he's an upgrade over Colt McCoy. Um you know, I mean, the fact of the matter is you need somebody to be a backup. It's like it's like not it's like you're getting a house and you're not getting like a smoke detector. Like you, you need a decent backup or at least a semi-decent backup, right? Yeah, I don't think we're unanimous on that, by the way. I do think um at initial first hand thought, we all wanted the Giants to keep Colt McCoy, but Mike Lennon actually did not have a bad game. He kept the Giants in the game in the second half. You know, had a 35-yard pass to Tony. Uh, Giants cut the lead to four. And then, Hank, you mentioned this before, 
Sam as well. The defense just couldn't stop the run. Ezekiel Elliott had a touchdown. Dalton Schultz had a 30-yard catch on the third down. Um, Bradbury was called for a pass interference. Uh, and Steve has a comment. I don't think Glennon was a bad choice. Hard to blame him for everything besides the two picks and no first-team reps. Steve, you're 100% correct. Hard to blame Glennon. Um, uh, Trayvon Diggs just made one hell of a play. That was a play, I think it was third and long, and at that point you're just taking a shot down the field trying to make something happen. And then, you know, the Anthony Brown play, you know, he just undercut her out. I mean, that was the one play that really got me upset. But other than that, it's really tough to blame Glennon in this situation. You know, he came in hostile environment, and he kept them in the game as long as he could. That's the way for I what he at. had, like for like, I mean, the amount of injuries that we had, like what he was working with could have been worse. And that throw to um, I think it was Tony when it got intercepted by Diggs was like would have been a wonderful throw if it was caught. I mean, it, it went long. Like when you say third and long, it's long. Yeah, um, I agree. I also thought there was pass interference on the Tony play on the fourth and goal. Um, you know, he was a force on that drive, had 46 receiving yards on that drive, but, um, it was a no call. And then the Dallas Cowboys would, they get a big 35 yard pass play to Cedric Wilson against the Dory Jackson. And then Elliott would get a 13 yard touchdown rust. Dallas, Dallas would go up 34 to 13. And then again, the giants and typical giants faction, they score a touchdown in garbage time, Deandre Booker, and then Kadarius Tony gets ejected for throwing a punch following an unnecessary roughness against DeMonte Casey. Giants are down 34 to 20, and Steve poses the question. My question is, where is all this discipline that judge was supposed to bring? Some of the stupid penalties are ridiculous. Um, yeah, is there one you're preferring to specifically, Steve? Because I think I, I could think of a couple. I mean, there's a really bad pass interference on Bradbury. Of course, the uh, Kadarius Tony play um, where – he was pushed. I'm sure there's a couple more, too, that I'm forgetting. Hank, do you remember any other penalties in this game that the Giants com uh, committed? Was there a special teams penalty? I'm trying to remember. Um, oh, I don't know. They had too many. I've been trying for a while to block out this game. But yeah. with nonetheless, I'm not I, I'm not gonna say I disagree with Steve. I mean, they it's it's been a lot this 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 year with the penalties and you know. I'm not saying I want Joe Judge fired, but what I am going to tell Joe Judge is we got to do better with with discipline. Like, because he he has a point. That was something that the Giants have been stressing a lot last year, and like this year, like there's just a lot of things that are, that have going on. And you know, he, he I agree with you, Steve. He's definitely got to take some responsibility for like the for the rough stuff start that we're getting off to. No, yeah. By the way, Steve, you've been an awesome fan of ours the, the last few months. Really appreciate all the, all the comments that you've given, all the insight on our social media uh, posts. Just want to shout you out for being a loyal supporter of this show. Really do appreciate it. Um, he says, I'm not saying that either. Just be better at your job, Judge. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he did discipline Tony. Correct. Um, you know, he, he pretty much – he didn't curse him out after that play, but um, – you know, you want to make sure your young guy knows to not do that going in. So I see where you're coming from. Judge, as the head coach, you have to take responsibility for that play. In, in particular, you know, Judge does not come out of this unscathed. And that's why we had a little bit um, 
of a hard time picking our player of the week this week, which is what we're up to now. By no means was this a unanimous decision, and we are condemning Kadarius Tony's actions on the football field, but he is our New York Giants player of the week. Like I said, this was the first non-unanimous decision we had this season. Uh, the Joker is our player of the week. Hank, you want to break this down for us? Yeah, no. Actually, Tom, to expand on what you said, I think this is the first time ever that we had a bit of a discrepancy for play in the week. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember ever disagreeing with, with you at all on the Giants player of the week, no? But in any event, regardless of how you feel about his actions on the field, and make no mistake, I think he was very much in the wrong. There is no reason ever you should go out and try to lay a punch on an opposing player. It doesn't matter that Evan Engram was being targeted by another one of the Cowboys definitely need to do better in that. And, you know, I really hope Joe, Joe judge has a serious talking to, but with that having been said now, why did, why did we come to, to a consensus that he should be player of the week? Well, the reason was he had 10 catches for 189 yards. He was the giant that by far, far and wide stood out to the most to all of us. And, you know, he actually set a record for giants rookies for, for catches and yards in a game. And, you know, that's still very impressive, putting aside his actions in that brawl. And if you want my honest opinion, I think he was probably one of the few guys that really kept the Giants in this game and even made it a game at all. And he had some big catches during those scoring drives. And, you know, there's a reason PFF made him Rookie of the Week. And I and he got a 74.2 PFF grade this this season. So he's already off to a good start. My only issue, as Tom and I allude to, this is somebody that really needs to control his temper and, you know, take and cool cool off during the games. But otherwise, I think he's got a lot of potential. And, Tom, I see you predict that he's going to have nine catches for 105 yards and touchdown. That's that's very reasonable. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I think he very well could be a thorn in the side of the Rams secondary. And it'll be interesting to see who he does. But regardless, it, it might seem controversial, but. When you really look at the the whole game, I don't really see how you how who else stood out about Kadarius Tony. Sam, what are your thoughts? Um, I I was the uh, the de- deciding factor in this, um, and after I watched the highlights, I texted <laughs> you guys and I was like, "Listen, I know what he did wasn't right, but mm-hmm. holy cow, what a game this kid had! Like it was." really his breakout and unfortunately he did have this breakout game because of all the injuries but Mm -hmm. it just kind of you know he took advantage of that and he proved like this is you know basically proving to the to the team that I'm a first round pick and this is what I can do as a first round pick in terms of his actions I know I think we discussed this um a while back and um we were talking about Odell and I'm not making the connection between Kadarius Tony and Odell Beckham Jr quite yet however I know we said if Odell was on this team with Joe Judge he really wouldn't last because of his actions so what I'm hoping here in terms of discipline is that this you know obviously he's he's a rookie he's getting used to the league and he might be a little hot-headed but hopefully the coach that Joe Judge is will make sure that he doesn't turn into that kind of drama and everything within this team you know we don't need him going around kicking kickers nets and then proposing to them the week after like we don't need that all over again um from this guy so i people are already making these comparisons and i just don't think that it's we're at the right place yet to be making the comparisons from tony to odell but i'm hoping that just as a whole 
Joe Judge will be able to say, like, hey, this is not something we do in this organization. You cannot do that. And hopefully as a rookie, he kind of gets a little scared and it's like, oh, I don't mean to, you know, step on anybody's toes. But in terms of his entire performance and, um, again, the injuries that kind of put him in that position, I was very, very impressed. And I hope that we utilize him a little bit more, even as our injuries heal and like Shep comes back and Slayton comes back and all these guys start, you know, Galladay too. I know that he got hurt. So hopefully we still kind of utilize him in this way because it was working. It was working. We've seen it working from the past few weeks as well. Every time they've given him the ball, it's great. So hopefully they continue to utilize him. Yeah, and the biggest thing that we were asking all season long was, or not all season long, but at least early on in the season is, what's Tony's role? What's Tony's role? Well, now we're seeing his potential. And, you know, again, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say the same thing I said previously. If you're going to use a first rounder on this guy, give him a defined role. Don't just let him, like, rot on the the bench and, like, not know what his role is if you're going to waste Exactly. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, he leads the team in receptions. He was named PFF Rookie of the Week. Um he only trails Kenny Galladay by one receiving yard. Uh, and thank you, Steve, for this comment. Thank you. I love the content you all bring every week. This content's for you. This content's for the fans here watching us. Uh, and we do have a great interview coming up tonight with Mike Vivolo. He's a good buddy of LPG. Um, definitely a lot of fun. They interviewed the touchdown maker, Stephen Baker, last week. Uh, that was a little fun segment that they did. Uh, so we'll bring that to you folks in just a few moments. But yeah, by no means are we rewarding bad behavior because I refuse to do that. But, you know, Tony was one of the pros of this game. And for me, I couldn't think of an individual player of the week outside of Kadarius Tony. I was potentially presenting the option of the offensive line and can't really do that, right? Can't really give it to a full unit. Uh, there really weren't many other bright spots of this game. I mean, Devontae Booker had two touchdowns, but, you know, he didn't do much on the ground. The line... The one issue we thought this team would have this season is the only thing that hasn't even really been an issue, and it's the offensive line. We saw Matt Pert allow just one hurry and one pressure against Dallas, and this is the first time the Giants have not allowed a sack in back-to-back weeks since 2017. We were all still in college. That was the Philly in the Buccaneers game in 2017. Yes. But how it how impressive has this line been i mean and the thing is we're saying impressive but what we're really saying is they haven't been horrendous <laughs> which know? we thought they were we thought they were going to be a whole lot worse but all i know they... is if i see nate solder starting at right tackle on sunday i, I think i'm going to blow up into a literal <laughs> oh, that balloon. can't happen that cannot happen <laughs> Matt Hurt needs to be starting at right tackle. I can't stress this enough. He looked good. What is holding them back? What is holding them back? Is it because Nate Solder is making so much money? Is that what it is? And it'll look dumb if you don't play him? I think it is. I think Gettleman's trying to save his job and prove to people that Solder can still do it by putting him at the weaker side of the line. I I think that's truly what's happening here. They're committed to Nate Solder for this year. They know they have Matt Pert on lockdown for another two years. I really think that's what's happening. They're saving Matt Pert for next year, which is ridiculous. I mean, he's doing such a great job. And I and I was on the Matt Pert train like a little bit like a while ago. And I was like, let's just put him in. Let's do it. Cause he can. And he's proving it. Like 
it just i it sucks that they're trying to like put this money over actually winning a game because putting matt pert in means more likely that we will win a game putting solder in it's just but just because he's making more money is absurd and it's so annoying and it's like really frustrating because if if you put him in it'll just be better like if you put matt pert in it'll just be better so i i i'm on board with you tom i don't know what they're doing the only other pros of this game austin johnson had his third sack of the season and lorenzo carter had his first career interception that's it there was nothing else good to talk about in this game um maybe the fact that the whole team didn't get hurt and now we move on to the bad stuff <laughs> Giants continue to struggle in the red zone. We can't punch it in the, in the red zone. Again, we mentioned before, you created two Dallas turnovers to start the game, and you came away with no points. You lost the game right there, right? At, at that point, I knew the Giants were losing. You can't come away with no points off two turnovers. Mike Lennon, the two picks, obviously, you know, you can't really fault them for the first one, in my opinion. Uh, the injuries to the starters, Jones, Barkley, Galladay, um, Hank, you mentioned this. The Giants played the second half without seven of their 11 week one starters. Yeah, no, I was like, I was literally scrolling through Twitter, like at some point during the game, just because I was trying to look for stats to get a little bit of a head start. And like, when I saw that, I, I, my head was about to explode, but then upon looking at the screen and trying to count which, which of the starters are there, it's like unbelievable. Yeah. Steve has a question. How long is Peppers going to be out? Well, he's dealing with the hamstring issue. And if we roll through our script here, he was limited in practice today. So it's not a guarantee that he's going to play on Sunday, but I bet you he will be dressed up on Sunday. I think he's going to play. Those hamstrings are tricky, though. They are very tricky. So um, I would not be shocked if he doesn't, but I think he's going to play. Didn't surprise me, but again, I'm not, I'm no doctor. I can't really predict this stuff. And as you said, hamstrings are tough. You never know. So we mentioned the big three that got hurt. There's still more. Matt Scura left the game and Rodarius Williams tore his ACL. He's out for the season. <laughs> it's like comical at this point. It's, I cannot believe that this is happening. Like everybody is just dropping like flies. Yeah. It is, it is ridiculous. And Stone like Shepard though is going to be coming back, I believe. Shepard should play on Sunday, and I think yeah. Slayton might too. Um, so that'll be good. Have a couple reinforcements, and but what I'm really worried about is um, the, the the defensive line. I mean, we'll hear it from Mike later in the interview, but. You allowed 515 yards to Dallas. They've been unable to stop the run. They gave up 201 yards on the ground. The Cowboys now have 200-plus rushing yards in two straight. Zeke had 21 carries for 110 yards and a TD. Tony Pollard, the backup, had 14 rushes for 75 yards. The man is averaging uh, over five yards a carry. So that's unacceptable. I don't, I don't know why we spent money on Danny Shelton. In free agency, he was supposed to specialize in stuffing the run. He has not done that. He's missed the most tackles on this team, actually, from the defensive tackle position. Your player who should have the most missed tackles is your cornerback, right? Because you're throwing the ball to wide receivers. It should not be your defensive tackle. That's just the way I feel. Yeah. That's how 
bad of a football player Danny Shelton has become. Maybe it's a schematic issue. I don't know, but man, they better not bring him back next season. That's all I've got to say about that. Um, yeah, it was bad. And not Dak had over 300 passing yards and three touchdowns. So it's not like the pass defense was much better. Dalton Schultz had 79 receiving yards. Lamb and Cooper each had a score. The Giants only forced one punt the entire game. One punt. That was it. I I know I know we are a giant show, but Dak looked great. And that is like very concerning how good he looked. This whole team. And like what the fact that Tony Pollard, the you know, not even their star running back, is looking like a star running back. Like, what were we doing? Watching them run by? What were we trying? Like, it, it was like the 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 rush defense was so poor. It was like non-existent, basically. Yeah. They were just running all over the place. And Zeke now is on this momentum. We should have been stuffing him, stuffing him, stuffing him, and it just no good. It's fair enough. I mean, can't really say much more. And Hank, this was the second worst loss in the Joe Judge era. Do you know the first? That was the disaster against the 49ers, I want to say week three of the 2020 season. Yep. 36 to nine. Yeah. No touchdowns scored. And that was the game where San Francisco was missing everybody. And Nick I don't Mullins, think they even hunted in that game, the 49ers, if I remember correctly. They didn't. And Nick Mullins, who is currently on an NFL practice squad, tore us up. So it goes to show how decimated. Uh, this Giants team has been the past couple of years. Key takeaways. What do we got? Well, Cowboys, <laughs> how about how about them Cowboys? They've scored 35-plus in three straight. We mentioned the turnovers, and sadly, the Giants are now 0-2 in the, in the division, 1-4 as a record, and we've lost eight out of our last nine games in Dallas. It's been since opening night in 2016 the last time the Giants won in Dallas. The day that Eli Manning signed his name on that wall and the first few years where we were dominant in that stadium feel like a distant memory at this point. Yep. Um, and, and you know what's worse? What's that? This is the fifth consecutive year where we're probably going to – no, not probably. We're definitely going to be, be no better than 500 at the halfway point of the season. Yeah. It's sad. It really is sad. Um, there's not much else to go to go over here, um, which that segues into our turnover tee. Uh, Sam, I'll give you the floor on this one. What is this week's topic for our turnover tee? So it's actually a decent segue from our injuries into turnover tee, um, focusing mostly on Daniel Jones's injuries. So unfortunately, our friend Danny Dimes suffered a horrible concussion. Um, by Jabril Cox, helmet to helmet, as Hank mentioned earlier, should have been a penalty, should have gotten fined, should have been ejected. It didn't happen, which is very upsetting. However, um, obviously, helmet to helmet is not great. That is not RT, though. RT is what happened after the fact. So, obviously, concussions in the NFL at this point in time are very taboo and like nobody wants to talk about them, but they are a huge topic to be discussing. And the way that Daniel Jones got up was not good. He was barely able to walk. He had to have staff come out and hold him up. It was not good. And it was obvious that he was, 
It wasn't just a micro concussion. It wasn't a little thing. It was a major concussion. Jabril Cox, who is the one that helmet to helmet hit Daniel Jones, giving him the concussion, ended up posting on his Instagram story. Uh, someone else posted it and he reposted it to his Instagram story. Um, and it said uh, that Cox is out here giving out concussions. And it was the picture of him hitting Daniel Jones helmet to helmet, obviously the play giving him the injury. He put it on his Instagram story. He ended up deleting it. And just the fact that you are out here on social media gloating about giving a football player concussion is so it's like, there's not even a word to describe how disrespectful and how messed up that is to do to someone else, especially because of ob- the obvious after effects that we now know happen um, to retired players after the amount of concussions that they get while playing in the NFL. So even though he ended up deleting it, it's still not a good look for Jabril Cox. It is very much just shows his type of character. I know also when Daniel Jones got up and was wobbling around, he just didn't even have any sort of remorse for it. Um, Jaron Curse, who played for Dallas, ended up running over to Daniel Jones to help him, not the man that hit him helmet to helmet. So it just seems like he is not has no sportsmanship, is not a good person, and you should not be out on Instagram gloating about giving someone a concussion. So the tea is hot, and I am angry. Real question is, where's the mug? My mug's upstairs. (laughs) I I don't have it with me this week. Next week. A couple comments. Nick says, let's go, Cowboys. Uh, Yes, Nick, congratulations on the win. Um, Diggs. He is, he is a lockdown corner. He's outstanding. Um, Zeke is looking good, too. Well, I think any running back would look good right now running against us. Um, so did Tony Pollard. Cox is a you-know-what. Yes, Steve. Um, again, this is a young rookie player who probably did not make the brightest decision. Um, while I think Jabril Cox is a very talented young player, he should not have done that. And Daniel Bakley with the comment, What's more important after this season, re-signing Barkley or rebuilding the line? That's a great question, Daniel. What a debate. You know what my answer to that is? It's rebuilding the line. It's rebuilding the line because Barkley has proven to us that he cannot stay healthy. But you already know the Giants are going to re-sign Saquon Barkley, right? Um, There's... We already know what's going to happen, but this is what I would do personally because Dave Gettleman, if you don't re-sign Saquon Barkley, you're basically telling your fan base and your organization that, yeah, I made a mistake with my first ever draft pick as GM, and he's not going to do that. He's going to live and die by Saquon Barkley, by Daniel Jones, by Leonard Williams. Rebuilding the line is much more important. Um, Although Barkley there's a good chance he's going to have to play on that fifth-year option next year. He does have a fifth year, so he will be back next year. But we don't want this developing into a similar situation that Evan Ingram has, right, where we're talking about trading him in the middle of year five. We don't want to do that with Saquon Barkley. So that's my answer to the question. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a really tough call, and – Listen, they have no one to blame but themselves by putting them by putting themselves in this situation. And you know, 
I I feel the same way as Tom. As much as I would rather focus on an offensive line, and look, I'm I can talk about what I might have done differently on draft night of 2018, but the fact of the matter is. Dave Gettleman made the choice to go after the talent of Saquon Barkley. This wasn't the first time that Giants management has gone with the flasher pick instead of the pick that will help the Giants. But unfortunately, he made that bed. You know he's going to want to sleep in it, and he's going he's gonna to probably pay him a good amount of money to keep him on the team. And as much as I love Saquon Barkley, and don't get me wrong, I think he's a talented player. There's a reason I have – have a jersey or two of Saquon Barkley. One was a Christmas gift. The other one was a um, was a that fancy color rush that you've seen me wear. But like at the end of the day, when it comes to what's more important for the Giants, you need a strong offensive line. How are you going to protect your quarterback? And how are your running backs going to have good games? Them putting Saquon Barkley in this situation is a sign that they are not a well-run organization. I'm sorry that I'm saying that, but it's the damn truth. And you know all the injuries that happened in the Dallas game last week is going to all but buy Dave Gettleman more time uh, as GM. Mm-hmm. And Steve is 100% correct. Um, I hate to say it. I do think there is a good chance he comes back next year because I can already tell you what's going to happen. The Giants are going to finish with either a 6-11 and or a 7-10 and record. And they're going to be like, well, we had people injured throughout the gauntlet stretch of the season. And then we won games towards the tail end that we were supposed to win. They're going to look better towards the second half. I think there's a good chance they beat Miami. They beat Chicago on the road. And then you have Washington again, you have Philadelphia twice, you have all winnable games down the stretch. And then it's easier to think that way to bring Dave Gilman back into year five, especially after all the trades he made last year to set himself up for the draft picks in 2022. And, Dan, and Daniel, with one last comment, does Barkley ask for high price or does he help his team by taking the better deal? Well, I think if he's smart, um, he'll take the better deal. But I don't know. That running back bar is getting set awfully high right now. So it'll be interesting to see. And, um, you know, that's it for our turnover tee. Briefly, before we get to our interview, a couple team transactions. Uh, Giants are one and four. Rams are four and one. They played last year on October 9th. Cooper Cup had the eventual game-winning touchdown that clinched the win. Rams won that game 17-9. to And what really strikes me is the Rams are going to be playing on 10 days rest. They beat the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday night football, where Robert Woods and Cooper Cup combined for almost 250 receiving yards. And the Rams are tied for the longest active streak in the NFL with over 400-plus total yards of offense. Their offense is very scary. Um, ninth ranked in the NFL, second ranked passing. I mean, isn't it safe to say the Rams are Super Bowl contenders at this point? Absolutely. Yes, but I will stand my ground that they are not winning the division. Oh, okay. All right. Cardinals are winning the division, and I will stand by that. I like that. Yeah. But they're definitely they, – they are a fantastic team. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Rams are, but obviously this is a giant show. We'll uh, – <laughs> We'll save that debate for a Tuesday night on a review and preview show. But um, the Giants, surprisingly, have the eighth-ranked passing offense, and there are some reinforcements coming. Cam Brown reinstated on Wednesday off the IR, um, missing the last three games. Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, who have both missed the last two weeks, were back at practice today. And the Giants have worked out guard Forrest Lamp this week, a guy who started all 16 games at left guard for the Chargers last year. So after Skura got hurt, 
we saw some of Wes Martin at left guard. That is the fourth player the Giants have tried at left guard this year. It's a uh, fifth player, pardon me. You went from Shane Lemieux. He got hurt. So you move Nick Gates from center to left guard. He tore his ACL, and he's having his seventh surgery now. Uh, then you tried Ben Bredesen, then Matt Scura, and now Wes Martin, and now you're working out Forrest Lamp. So this position has been the biggest weakness on the Giants' offensive line. And I predicted in the offseason that the Giants would sign Forrest Lamp, but they never did. Uh, you know, he had some issues in the offseason in Buffalo. I hope the Giants bring him in. I'd like to see him be our left guard for the rest of the season. But um, I, I still do have some hope with Ben Bredesen. I would just like to see some competition there. And then the four practice squad protections this week were Brian Lewerke, quarterback, Corey Cunningham, offensive tackle, defensive lineman David Moa, and wide receiver Dante Pettis. So without further ado, it's time to reveal our interview with Mike Vivolo. He is the co-host of the True Blue New York Giants podcast with License Blake Guy. He was an awesome inter interview earlier today, and uh, yeah, I hope you all enjoy on, everybody. We are here with the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mike Vivolo from his own car. Mike, how are you today? What's up, fellas? No, happy to be here. Yeah, we are driving, but we are uh, focused the eye on the prize of week six. Absolutely. Um, I know you told us you're on your way to dinner with a uh, former player. Is that correct? That's right. You know, so there's a couple of things that we're working on, uh, a couple of projects in the works, um, which will be announced probably pretty soon um, that I'm just kind of involved with in a couple of ways. Awesome. Now, my first yeah. question to you is, can you tell us a little bit about your podcast, True Blue New York Giants with license plate guy. I saw you spoke with Stephen Baker last week, the, the yeah. touchdown maker. We like to call him. Uh, what has that experience been like with LPG over the past year or so? Because I know you guys started during COVID. Joe's an icon of fandom of all sorts, right? And he's the most interesting thing about him is that you guys probably know this. When you meet super fans or guys who like have a collect a ton of shit or whatever. Sometimes, a lot of times, and I've met a lot of Yankee fans like this, they're a little quirky, a little weird, you know? Joe's not, though. That thing about him is that he's so, he's like OCD, smart dude, successful guy, and, like, he has this persona of this super fan. So he's made, he's made the being the super fan into something really, from in my eyes, like Admiral. So his connection with, with Giants, you know that he used to babysit Joe Morris's kids, long time ago and then joe morris was a groomsman in his wedding so he has like these connections to to players and things that are just really just unique and he is a unique guy so when we started chatting about doing something in COVID, it was like let's get some players who are also doing nothing and let's get some you know a different like take on everything just you know trying to be super fans you know joe morris wow yeah like a little things like that always pop up. You like, you know, he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to dinner with Gallery later. Talks about this. Like, all right, man. You know, he does charity, so much charity stuff, uh, which is which is awesome. And you know, he's got a lot of respect for former players and you know fans and like, you know, people. That's amazing. I 
LPG is one of those Giants fans that I just respect a lot. And I've, I've always been following him on social media for like, what, the past like six, seven, or at least as long as I've known that he was on social media. <laughs> I know Tom will vouch for me on this, but he was someone that I was very happy to get the chance to talk to last year when we started this whole show. And it's really been amazing. And I would definitely love to run into him again on the rare occasions where I do get to go to MetLife Stadium because he's he's a really cool guy. And from what I really understand, he's just he, – he's great. I, I appreciate and respect everything he does. Yeah, I mean, he's been, he's been diving into charity. We're going to do – last year we came up with an idea to do a – an Instagram live charity event. Uh, it was called, it was called, excuse me, blue Friday instead of black Friday on the, the night before the, the, um, the Friday of Thanksgiving, this. the Friday after Thanksgiving. So, um, we're going to do it again called blue, it's gonna be blue Friday. It'll be on that Friday night and it'll be just like, you know, merchandise, memorabilia, unique stuff, LPG exclusive stuff. Um, part of what we're I'm doing tonight is probably going to get some autograph shit to also put in that auction. And it's, you know, it's, it's fun. It's a way to give back. It's a way to get the Giants community together. So he, he makes so much effort into that. Uh, spends a lot of time organizing. You know, he has a charity softball game every year uh, with a ton of Giants at it. He spends so much time doing that. So it's really admirable. And uh, there's no reason to not, like, you know, respect his, his uh, I guess, mission, you know, I mean, like his hobby. All right. Well, that that's pretty awesome and yeah again there, there's i don't know what more i can say but anyways let's get to the current team at hand and one big question that i gotta ask you is with all the injuries that we have on offense who do you see as the guy that the, that the giants game plan is going to be revolving around well you know offensively it's got to be tony at this point you saw what he did last week dude's an incredible athlete i just hope he you know, he, he could be – it looks like he's going to be a little distraction. Like, I'm a huge homer. We all are. You know, we want this guy to be – he's great. He's a great athlete. He's a great football player. You can tell right away. Hit 11 catches. He's, he makes people miss all the time. He's a great athlete. He's just a tight he's, – he's a young – he's a little bit of a distraction. You know, he's like his – he does his rap stuff. He's got stuff all over his face. And he's pouting in the first couple of games. And he punches the guy. And so he, he, he's got a – rein it in a little bit and hopefully it's just like the kind of like the rookie jitters um but that being said if he's full go he's gonna be the guy for sure especially with barkley you know unavailable right yeah absolutely you know absolutely. and and whoever else unavailable just name the guy he's unavailable <laughs> yeah oh uh, so the dallas game there were a lot of players unavailable towards the end of that one now not to you know look back at that game because that game's in the past but what would you say is your biggest takeaway from the Dallas game outside of all the injuries? Like what can the Giants implement from that game into the game plan this week against L.A.? So I'll answer that with like a kind of like a, a half injury question. It, was, it, it Andrew Thomas not playing. He didn't get injured in that game, but Andrew Thomas not playing showed a glaring difference between when Andrew Thomas does play. And that even though Barkley got hurt and Jones got hurt – that's it, it showed itself right away. Soldier couldn't soldier couldn't do the job. So they're having to game plan chipping guys off the line and helping him out. So I'd like to see I'd like to see changes there. Maybe Pert over there. Something happened there. 
um, besides all the injuries, which were horrendous, it's like, all right, you know, what, what can we actually build upon and what can we, you know, work on? Andrew Thomas was playing hurt all last season and most of this season, and he's still playing at a really high level, and he couldn't, wasn't even available for Dallas. So, dude, guys, like, before that Daniel Jones got hurt, before Saquon got hurt, if Andrew Thomas was playing that game, we were right there. This offense is, was clicking, uh, even without Shepard and without Slayton. So this offense was was coming around. Even even Ingram had some some athletic plays. So it's sad because we lost the injuries. That's more you know I'm more sad because I saw a glimmer of hope there. That's a very valid point. I mean, Andrew Thomas is one of the guys that I had as being one of the X factors for this offense, and for good reason, because I can't really stress enough about how important the left tackle is. But speaking of Andrew Thomas, in my honest opinion, he might very well be one of the best players that Dave Gettleman has picked in the first round, actually the best choice that he made in the first round. And speaking of Dave Gettleman, we know this guy is kind of the elephant in the room. Where do you stand with Dave Gettleman? Are you on the fire DG squad or are you at the point where you're like, ah, maybe give him one more chance? <laughs> LPG had a great line a couple <laughs> a couple weeks ago, but he continues to say how Gettleman and a team in general makes us fans like bipolar, being that, you know, 0-3 pretty much at full full strength. Uh, you know, we go 0 and forward and get it's Gettleman's head, but then we win that game. So we go, all right, everyone's happy again. The offense looks like it has something going on. Uh, then Andrew Thomas isn't playing. Then all these injuries happen, and that was the Gettleman's fault that all these injuries happen. So he's like the guy with nine lives. So what, <laughs> what's the answer? I don't know. Did he draft well? No, over the past years, because a lot of his draft picks missed big and didn't even make the team. And you can look at the stats of however many picks he had not on the team anymore it's very bad uh but andrew thomas uh daniel jones like these guys building the defense that he's built which seemed to be a little bit better last year than this year so far but uh he has a lot of stuff a lot of legs to stand on uh maybe kyle rudolph's contract isn't great so there's like really bad contracts there's really good contracts there's interesting trades there's like these bipolarness to gettleman so I would say he's going to ride it out. I mean, if we go, if we're one and eight and one and nine, then yeah, probably there'll be some drastic changes and he'll probably lead that list of changes, but we'll see. I don't know. The injuries may have bought him some time right now. Yeah, no, I think that really makes sense. And uh, I, I like that comment too. I think it makes a lot of sense. He's one of those guys with the nine lives and, you know, as much as I've criticized Dave Gettleman in the past and it's not really without reason, like, you're right. He's definitely made some moves that, like, you know, you can look and, like, wow, this guy was a steal. But now, speaking of guys that Dave Gettleman, oh, sorry, Dave Gettleman took, what did his, what's your opinion on the status of Daniel Jones? Do you think that he should play on Sunday, or are you a guy that's more on the, oh, let's rest him for precautionary reasons crowd? Um, this is what I think about. The, I, I've had this conversation, like, 85 times today. The, the thing is, like, if he's clear, he's clear. Like, it's not an ankle, it's not a knee, it's not a shoulder, you know? Like, you know, like, if he has a so- shoulder injury, it's going to linger. Like, if he had a shoulder injury from last year, uh, last week, he's not going to be 100% this week, but he can play at 80% or 85% on ankle injury. Like, all right, that's a reason more to rest him, but he clears concussion protocol, so he should be fine. He clears, he's fine. It's not like it's going to be a lingering concussion that if he gets hit, it'll get worse, right? I mean, I- unless I'm missing something, he's clear. He does not have the concussion. He's cleared a very extensive protocol 
that the NFL plays mm-hmm. placed. So that's what I think. I think you go, you go. If Andrew Thomas plays, he plays, and like, let's go, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's and go. Play. Definitely, <laughs> definitely a step in the right direction today. Obviously, Mike Daniel Jones practiced on a limited basis. Yeah. Now, my my next question for you has to go around the offensive line with Nick Gates being out for the season and the left guard position, it's pretty much been a revolving door. How did the giants contain Aaron Donald on Sunday? I mean, the man is just a mammoth of a defensive tackle and he's going to be very tough to contain. They're going to be in trouble. They're going to be in deep, deep doo-doo. Uh, they're going to have to, they're going to, they're obviously know they obviously know who he is. They obviously watch a ton of film on him. They're going to be, you know, probably having some action away from him most of the time. Uh, you may see audibles away from him. I lo- Unfortunately, if Jones is, like, shook up mentally, I don't know how much of those, like, you know, those options, uh, those uh, RPOs that he's running, which I love Jones running those. I think and – I've, and I've been saying this for the whole season, he should have more of those involved. That could be something where they get out of, when they, where they get out of the tackles right away. Uh, you might see Tony on some interesting wide receiver screen stuff, some end around stuff, but these are professional. I mean, Jason Garrett's a professional offensive coordinator for, for what he is, you know, the whole world knows Aaron Donald exists. So he's not going to come up, you know, surprise anyone. So we can just put our faith in, in the game plan there. Listen, Tony, Tony's, a, Tony's a beast, man. Like he wasn't even on, if you guys had it, I forget the numbers, like his offensive snaps weren't even that drastic. He had 11 catches, and it was like yeah. 65% of the snaps or something like that. So get him involved. You know, get him some some misdirections and some stuff to keep him guessing. I don't know. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, so to, when talking about the Rams, we know the Rams are an ar- arguably a Super Bowl contender. Like, yeah. if they made it to the big game come February, I would not be the least bit surprised. But – as far as what you've seen with regards to the Rams this year so far, what's impressed you the most? Well, you know, I think that it's – listen, quarterbacks now can play almost like without getting, you know, getting touched. Where, you know, a guy like – I don't know how old Stafford is. He's probably in his 30s, right? But, like, yeah. Yeah. Stafford coming from a, a bad team, coming to a, a really good football team has been – has shown. And then Cup and Woods are going to – they're scary, bro. Cup and Woods. Cooper Cup on whatever he does. I mean, Dallas didn't even eat us up as much as, as Denver did. But imagine Cup and Woods doing what Denver did to us. That's what's going to be a real problem. So that's what I look out for. Uh, offensively, we got, you know, offensively Aaron Donald's a problem. But we got we to gotta get off the field on third down. Cup and Woods are going are to be a problem. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I completely agree. I that's there's a reason that getting off the field on third down is one of my keys to the game every single week, as Tom can vouch for me on. <laughs> yeah, and Cooper cuts. Cooper Cup's going to be lined up in the slot a lot. We know how Cooper our slot Cup's owners. A problem. Yeah, he's going to be a huge problem. Now, last week, Robert Woods carved up the Seahawks defense. Yeah, Cup did pretty good too. With Brad Bradbury's been struggling. You know, he's been struggling. Peppers coming off the hamstring. Um, would you would you say that cup concerns you the most in this Rams offense? Because obviously last year we were in a close game late, and then Cup breaks up for what was that like yeah. a fifty yard touchdown? Sure, I, you know I guess if you're asking me if I have to answer that, yeah, 
I would say Cup because of our problems from not getting off the field on third down. Because if I had Cooper Cup, who am I looking to at third and six, third and seven? You know, that's that would definitely be a concern of mine. It it could be both of them. They could b- both get ten catches each. Like I don't know, but uh, yikes! It could be it could be scary w- with these guys. You know, so. All three of us so far have pretty much praised Kadarius Tony so far. We know he's a playmaker, and we know he's got a lot of potential to be a great receiver, but I think we can all agree, I'm not trying to speak for you, but that he was definitely out of line with his actions. Yeah. Is this something that concerns you or moving forward, or do you think he's going to learn from what happens? It concerns me, absolutely. I hope he learns, but it concerns me. We saw a certain guy who did the exact same thing when his team was – you know, with a bad record and a, and a floundering whatever uh, team and the front office was a mess and you're kicking over garbage cans and you're kicking you know, field goal nets and, you know, you're doing all this crazy stuff. I just don't want a repeat of that. Even though he's a rookie, I think that maybe he'll get away with it being young. Mm-hmm. Beckham was like third or fourth year when he did that stuff. So it does yeah. concern me. Um, but let's harness it in. Joe Judge is a disciplinarian. Uh, yes. If LPG was on this, he'll say when he saw – when Tony was not on the uh, – when Tony was like – I forget what game it was. I guess it was the Washington game where Tony was all pouting and he was like sitting with the team. Judge came over, put his arms around him, spoke to him. He's trying to coach him. Uh, he, you know, you can see him on the field after he punched the dude. He's like, get out of here. It's embarrassing. Like, get out. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's got to do that sort of thing. And let's see. And Tony apologized on Twitter for whatever that's worth. But, yeah, it's a little concerning, especially only because he's good. We want to root for this guy. You know what I mean? Like, I want my kids to root for this guy. So, like, we want him to make these plays. That third and 18 that he made in the, in the uh, New Orleans game, that was a playmaker kind of play that we've never had besides, like, a fully healthy Barkley. So, yeah, we need him, number one. So let's just hope that he, he, he doesn't become a distraction. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, too, because the Rams give up the fifth most yards after catch in the NFL. That's one thing about their secondary. Nice stat. Very so, nice stat. Tony also – Very nice stat. <laughs> thanks. Coming into <laughs> last week, also had a 35% missed tackle rate. So this is a guy that – I mean, one of my keys to the game is getting him in open space. That's going to be a key. And, you know, obviously without Galladay likely, without Barkley likely, the Giants are going to be limited, even if Jones does play – Tony is probably going to be that number one option, even if Sterling Shepard and Slayton are both back in this lineup. Now, Mike, um, if you could steal one player from the Rams, the Rams are a very talented football team. If you could steal one player from them, who would it be and why? Great question. Great question. I mean, I guess I'd have to say Donald, right? I mean, we got no push up front the last couple weeks. It's almost like too obvious, you know what I mean? Uh, so I think it would be Donald because he's like the number one player in the NFL every year. So, and we need that pass rush. So I think Donald is pretty much obvious. I was going to say Jalen Ramsey because I would take him against the Rams receivers, you know, because we do need that help in the secondary to get off the field on third down. But it's got to be Aaron Donald, man. I couldn't yeah. agree with you more. I mean, be. no more, no gotta more Tomlinson. So. Oh, I'm, I'm in that unanimous uh. club right there. Like, well, yeah. one other reason that I feel that way is we could have had this guy, but that's that's a discussion for another day. I'm not going to go there. Anything else you wanted to add before uh, 
we let you go here. It's definitely an important game on Sunday. And obviously, you know, one where the Giants are not heavily favored to win, but, you know, there's always a chance any given Sunday. Yeah. Um, do, I think they, I think they're going to you know what I do. I think they cover every every week. That's what I always pick up. <laughs> do. Uh, this is what I will say. I thought the Magic Eli dust would be on the Falcons game, the Ring of Honor Eli game. This one now is the, the Super Bowl 46 10-year anniversary game. So there could be some magic in the air with them. Uh, I don't like to do hocus-pocus over a team to try to make them win. I'd rather just, just win with the talent in the outright. Uh, but you're right. Any given Sunday, uh, it's going to come down to getting off the field on third down, Cooper Cup and Robert Wood. That's my, I'll, I'll leave you with that. Folks, make sure to go follow Mike below at Team Vivolo, and you can follow his podcast at True Blue NYG on Instagram. Mike, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you, fellas. This was fun. I, I like talking to you guys. Very knowledgeable. Uh, thanks for all the questions. I hope we can do this again soon. You know what? We're gonna do a uh, like a uh, a podcast roundtable type thing on Instagram Live because our 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 podcast now we've been just doing IG live interviews because we have a, like a good IG audience so we want to kind of keep it there and bring in different people and then we haven't actually podcasted it this year which is fine but we're having fun doing the IG live but maybe we'll have you guys come on, on the IG live as well just to give you know to give your two cents on topics down the road absolutely yeah we're in uh, 100% we'd love to chat with you All guys right. awesome. um you you're awesome. welcome back anytime to come on so Appreciate you, Mike. Thank you, bro. Yeah, appreciate it. This is awesome. All right. We'll stay in touch. All right. Well, that was Mike Vivolo. Uh, awesome interview. Sam, what were your initial thoughts? The Rams game as a whole. Was my mic muted? Yeah. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Um, I just was saying that I think he made a lot of really good points and that um, in terms of the Rams game, uh, when you asked the question about, you know, who would you steal from the Rams if you had the chance? My first thought immediately is Aaron Donald. And like then when he was sitting there thinking about it, I'm like, he's going to say it. He's going to say it. And that the the unanimous Aaron Donald is is very obvious there. But no, he made a lot of really great points, especially about this Rams team. It is a tough team to go against on both sides of the ball, and, and it's going to be a big challenge. So I, I'm a little nervous, but I'm I'm going to go in on your Any Given Sunday comment there, Tom, because anything could happen. Mr. Rothschild seems to agree with you, and as always, thank thank you, Adam, for commenting on our show. Always good to hear your insights. Steve liked the interview. So did Adam. Thank you so much for the comments, guys. And now we're going to get into our keys of the game, players to watch, and then we'll give our three final score predictions before we sign off. Um, Sam, I'll start with you here. What's your key to the game for the Giants to come out on top Sunday? Because obviously there's a lot. The the fact that the Rams in their offense is – throwing the ball like they have these amazing receivers but they have that run back I forget what his name is I had it written down oh Daniel Daryl Henderson he is like not this star receiver I'm a star running back but 
we need to make sure that we do not let just the fact that we don't know his name to let him get by um, on the rush. Because that is what obviously we really, really struggled with against the Cowboys. And that was a star, two, basically two star running backs. So I really hope that the best thing that the Giants can do here is just make sure that the run is stopped because they are going to just go, go, go throwing the ball on the pass. If we're going to stop something, let's try and stop the rush because if we can't stop either, it's going to be really, really difficult to even come back or even stay in this game whatsoever. Yeah, that's, that's a great, a great key to the game. Mine, I think you, I think you kind of know where I'm going to go with this. I'm going to say get off the field in third down, but I'm going to expand on why I think we need to get on, get off field on first, the third down. First of all, they, the Cowboys were 57% on third down conversions. Not good. And that's a great way to lose a lot of games for starters. And second of all, against the double threat of Cooper Cup and uh, and Woods, that that's going to make it, it all the more harder. So I think, and, and I have a bad feeling that if the Giants lose this game, which I most likely think they will, and I'm going to get into why I think that's probably going to be the case, it's going to be because one or both of those guys will have a big catch on third down. And when you look at how horribly our secondary has been playing, like, you know, I, that's there's a very big reason why it concerns me. And so, yeah, I would say get off the field on third down because of our defensive woes. I agree. I think that's huge. For me, it's pressuring Matt Stafford. The Giants did not have much of a pass rush on Prescott last week. Ojolari leads this defense with three sacks. Uh, well, now he's tied with Austin Johnson. And the Giants only have eight sacks through five weeks. And they're going up a Rams O-line that has – a top 10 center in football and Brian Allen, Rob Havenstein and Andrew Whitworth have been in the league for a while. And Dave Edwards and Austin Corbett are both serviceable guards. The Rams have a top 10 O-line unit in the NFL. And that proves for a recipe of disaster for the Giants. Uh, as far as stopping Darrell Henderson, who averages five yards per carry, uh, that passing game is going to be really critical. Um, you know, and for us too, speaking of the trenches, uh, Terrell Lewis has two sacks. I'm really worried about this game. Even if we, I mean, the Giants are plus one in turnover ratio this season. And rushing the passer is how you create turnovers, right? The Giants haven't been able to rush the passer, but they've still been able to create turnovers. So I think for this week, it's going to be very interesting to see what the Giants game plan will be on defense. Sam, yes, they have to stop the run. They also need to pressure Matt Stafford. And I think offensively, Jones, if he plays, is going to have to get the ball out quick, get it to Tony in space. We mentioned in the interview with Mike, Rams are not very good tackling uh, as far as yards after the catch. And Tony is a guy who will split them up. And Steve says, we will put Leonard Williams on a milk jug so we can find him. Shake my head. Um, <laughs> not that I'm going to disagree with that, but I think Leonard Williams has actually had a pretty good start to his season. Um, he's produced the same number of quarterback hits and more quarterback hurries um, so far this year than at this time last year. And he has the same amount of sacks through five weeks. Um, from a statistical standpoint, his numbers are the same. But I do see where Steve is coming from because the guy really is the only guy on the defensive line. So when he's not producing, 
to the level that you'd expect him to be because now he's not playing on a franchise tag. He's playing on a three-year, $63 million contract. You expect more, right? You expect him to build on from last year. So, yes, in that respect, yes, it is somewhat of a disappointment, but uh, he has to be all over Matt Stafford on Sunday. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. I mean, yeah, no, it it's funny you mentioned that because I didn't really realize that until checking the stats like you did. And it's like, yeah, he's getting the pressure, but even if we're not seeing the immediate results, but with that being said, he's still Steve's right. He's a guy that I think definitely needs to step it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we talked about Aaron Donald. Um, we'll move into our players to watch. Hank, who's a player to watch from each team? Give us one from the Rams, one from the Giants. Okay. So, for, for starters, with regards to the Rams, I think I'm going to go with the obvious one, Aaron Donald. That that speaks to itself. He is an absolute force. 24 tackles, five of them for a loss. He is the leader of that team's defense, and there's a reason why his PFF grades are very high, and as I kind of hinted on the show, this is a guy I wish the Giants had, and in fact, they could have, but again, not going to get into that. He is an absolute force, and Whoever is going to be guarding him on that offensive line is going to absolutely have their hands full. And now, as far as the Giants goes, I am going to say Evan Engram. And the reason I'm going to go with Evan Engram, it's it's because, look, let's face it, we're banked up. We don't have too many weapons. As much as you don't necessarily want to see Evan Engram in this game, the fact of the matter is, and I hate to say it, he's going to be the, they're going to have to throw the ball to him because, like, Besides Tony, who else are you going to give it to? And you know he, you know that when he catches the ball, he can make the big plays. So talent for me is not the issue. It's whether or not he puts that super glue on his gloves. Fair. Very fair. Sam, who are your players to watch? Um, I'm going to go with, uh, for the Rams, probably Cooper Cup because it's – going to be a shootout in terms of the Rams. They are going to be throwing the ball left and right as they have been for the past five weeks. Um, But Cooper Cup, I think, is a little bit like everybody's like Robert Woods, Robert Woods, Robert Woods. Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup eat breakfast together every single morning. So they they are best buds. Um, So I definitely would keep an eye out on him because he's going to be a big factor within this game. And they have a lot of different targets throughout this game, which is really scary. Um, And in terms of the Giants, I'm just going to go with Kadarius Toney, mostly because of his performance from this week and the fact that we are still going to be slightly injury ridden this upcoming week. And, you know, like Hank was saying, you know, there's not going to be that many people to throw to. And Evan Ingram is definitely going to be someone that has to step up. Um, and also, I just want to say, where is where is Kyle Rudolph? Where is he? I I was hyping this man up for so long. He is nowhere to be found. And it is very upsetting for me because he's blocking, which is great. But where where is he? He can he can be utilized in the back. Like, like throw him out there. Put him in a place where he can catch the ball. But that's I could keep going on about that. Yeah, it's that list Frank injury usually takes a full year to recover from that. Um, apparently that was hidden from the Giants before they signed him, but they knew what they were getting themselves into. And to elaborate on your point about Cooper Cup, he's tied for second in the NFL, 37 catches, third in the NFL in yards with 523, five TDs and averages over 104 yards per game. Last year against the Giants, he had that touchdown. 
and we look into his advanced stats, and this is what really concerns me. He has a 33% target share. 56% of his snaps come in the slot. Now we break down the giant slot corners in coverage. Julian Love is giving up 13 yards per catch in the slot. Jabril Peppers is allowing a 122.3 QBR, and Darnay Holmes is not so better, not so much better at 93.4. So right then and there, that really concerns me. My players to watch, I have so I, I mean, I have one and then an honor, honorable mention. Um, obviously, you got to talk about um, the quarterback Matt Stafford, third in passing yards. He's only been sacked four times all year. He's played like an MVP candidate through the first five games as the third highest QBR in the NFL. I mean, he has good offensive line, good receivers. Remember, this is a Rams offense that lost Cam Akers to start the season. He was supposed to be their running back one. They don't have him, and they've overcome adversity. Every team goes through injuries. And then, of course, the tight end, Tyler Higbee. How can we not mention the opposing tight end when previewing a Giants game? The Giants limited him to just three catches last year in the meeting. Uh, against them. I think Higby will probably go off for a little more this year, being that we don't have Blake Martinez. We don't have Dalvin Tomlinson. Uh, I think the Giants are going to focus more on containing Cup and Woods, that Higby is going to get some big chunks of yardage open in the middle of the field. So that's where I'm at with the Rams. And then for the Giants, um, for me, if he plays, it's Daniel Jones. He's reportedly on track to play, recorded by reported by Joe Judge. But I think nine-year veteran Mike Lennon will be ready if he has to play. The man has 27 career starts, uh, so it is a little concerning. I hope Jones plays, but if he does, I'm really excited to see because last year he kind of had a sour taste in his mouth at the end of that Rams game. Remember, the Giants were down by eight. They're driving down the field. They're getting close to the red zone, and then Jones fumbles the football or throws a pick. It was one of those He threw two. a pick. He did throw a pick. Yep. He threw a pick in the end zone, I remember. So – there it is. Daniel Jones is my player to watch for the Giants. And then one other player, I mean, the Rams have a great defense, but I think I like Troy Reader a lot. Look out for him. He wears number 51. He's a 13th-ranked linebacker on PFF, and I don't think Ingram is going to be much of a factor on, on Sunday. I mean, uh, I think he's going to take him away. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't expect much from Evan Ingram on Sunday. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but I think – we should start throwing to Kyle Rudolph and Caden Smith more as far as we go with the tight end position. I think it's time to say bye-bye to Evan Ingram. But, yes, Sam, you have a comment on that? I was just going to say, I'm just thinking about Daniel Jones, and honestly, I don't want him to play. I think that it would be better and more beneficial if he sat out for one game um, because – I just think, I mean, I know what um, Vivola was saying earlier about concussions are very different than like an ankle injury, but it could still, is still rattles your brain and it could be really severe. And the fact that he's going to be going up against someone like Aaron Donald, it just makes me very, very nervous. So I honestly would not be completely upset if Mike Lennon ended up starting because I'd rather have a fully complete, healthy Daniel Jones than a half concussed Daniel Jones. Can we but just, just put bubble wrap on Daniel Jones? That's really the one thing I want to know. Just save him. I don't want him to get hurt. I'd be no, more com- I'd be more comfortable with Nick Gates at center than Billy Price having Daniel Jones play. That's very true. That's very true. That regardless of where you are on on Vivola, between Vivola and Sam, I think Tom's absolutely right. And yeah, I, I I'm leaning towards wanting him to start, but yeah, I'm like Sam, I'm also pretty cautious about 
him going up against Aaron Donald. And especially because, as I said, whoever whoever's going to be guarding him, got your hands full. I mean, we know that Andrew Thomas is likely going to be guarding Leonard Floyd. But then again, again, it's pretty much pick your poison on that defensive line. Uh, who's Ingram? Yeah, I don't know who that guy is. Couldn't tell you. Last I heard, he was playing. Uh, he, he he was playing volleyball. He was a setter. Every time the ball touches his hands, it goes up in the air. Uh, Burn. Injury report. So this is a long one. Barkley and Galladay did not practice today. They are both likely going – well, Barkley's out for Sunday, and Galladay will be out as well. But I think everyone else has a chance at playing. The biggest question mark is Daniel Jones. He's dealing with a concussion. But now let's go down the list of everybody else. Matt Skura, limited with a knee. Andrew Thomas, limited with a foot. Ben Bredesen, limited with a hand. That's three offensive linemen already. Nate Ebner, limited with a quad. Jabril Peppers, Limited with a hamstring. Logan Ryan, limited with a hip. Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, limited with hamstrings. Kadarius Tony, limited with an ankle. And linebacker Justin Hilliard, who doesn't really suit up, but I threw him on there just for the hell of it, limited with an ankle. So that's 12 <laughs> players on the injury report. <sighs> yeah. Steve likes I mean, the joke. It, <laughs> it, it, it really it, – it's just – I'm like literally physically looking at it and it's like, this is our injury report. And then this is the Rams injury report, like physical, like actual size on the paper. So I am not, not feeling this. This is not the injury report. I want to take up a third of the page. The injury, the Giants. It's like smack dab in the middle. It takes up like this much room. It gives me, I hate to say it, but that injury report gives me a 2017 feel. Yeah, it does. Um, I'm never going to mention that season again on the show, by the way. Yeah, uh, that was brutal. But the the Rams, Andrew Whitworth is resting. I mean, the man's 40 years old. Let him rest. You know, he <laughs> needs it. Terrell Lewis resting as well. He's been dealing with an injury. Their kicker is questionable. Matt Gay has an ankle issue. Running back Jake Funk, one of their big special teams players, um, Upman has a, ham, a hammy issue, and then Aaron Donald, a little limited with the knee, but we know he's going to play. So there, there's no shocker there. None of those guys are going to miss this game. The Rams really aren't missing anybody on their roster, and that's a small, very small part of the reason why they're nine-and-a-half-point favorites. I think that's a very generous line. Um, I know the Giants are home. No, it's the 10-year anniversary. They're honoring the 2011 championship team. They're literally coming up with ways for people to still come to these games because the team is one and four. And let's be real here. I mean, that's probably going to be the highlight of Sunday, uh, to be quite frank. Not to downplay this game by any means, but of course we have to give the Giants a chance. But it's uh, not looking too hot. Sam, what's your prediction? Um, unfortunately, I'm not as confident as I was last week after coming off a win. So I will not be choosing the Giants to win this game. I am going LA Rams with the score 32 to 17. Why did I let my blind faith affect my judgment last week? I don't know. I, you think the same I, boat, Hank. It's okay. Sam. No, but Sam, I've, I've done this like, Every single year, anytime, 
I'll let a little bit of hope pop into my head. And I'll be like, oh, the Giants can do it. Ever, ever, like, it's a recurring theme. You'd think I'd have learned by now, but yet, even as cynical I can be at times, there's still that little ounce of hope that gets in my head. And as, as was said on Sean Shack, Sean Shack redemption, hope isn't always a great thing, but in any event, my prediction for this game, 28, 17 Rams. I I'm not nearly as hopeful this week as I was last week. And we pretty much went through why. Yeah. 28, 17 Rams. Um, I have a similar prediction to Hank. I have the Rams winning 26 to 14. I think the Giants are going to only allow two touchdowns in this game. I think Matt Gay is going to kick four field goals. He's going to help out my fantasy team a little bit. I think the Giants defense is going to do a good job keeping the Rams out of the end zone as the defense has been improving week by week. But offensively, we're just missing too much. Uh, it's not a recipe for success heading into Sunday when you don't have your star running back, your bona fide number one wide receiver. Even if Jones does play, they're at a big disadvantage. I get it. Shepard's back. Slayton's back. You have Tony. You have Ross. You have Ingram. Technically, that's still a pretty good core of weapons for Daniel Jones to have. And we're not even mentioning Kyle Rudolph and Caden Smith. But is it really enough? Is it really enough? I mean, Devontae Booker in the backfield? Uh, I don't know. I don't see it. I only see us scoring two touchdowns. So the Rams, we have a clean sweep, which is great because usually when we have a clean sweep, it goes the other way. Um, you know, I, I hate to say this, but I'm much better at predicting Giants losses than Giants wins. So, uh, but let's all give ourselves some credit. I mean, we're one and four, but you know, we continue to put out these shows every week, getting some great guests. We had Mike Vivolo on from True Blue NYG. And I'm sure next week, trying to remember, who do we even play next week? We play the Panthers next week at home? No, I, week six is – what are we in? What week are we in? Week six? Yeah, week six. I think week no, six. No, yeah, you're right, the Panthers. Panthers at home next week, Sam Darnold returning to MetLife, so that should be a lot of fun. Maybe we'll get a Panthers guest on for that. We'll figure it out. We'll keep you folks updated. Sam and Hank, any final thoughts on the night? <sighs> I just don't want it to be a bloodbath. That's about it. I hope Daniel Jones turns out to be okay. I hope everybody else's injuries um, are not as severe like Saquon's. Um, and I hope that we just try our best on Sunday. And as always, go Big Blue. <laughs> I had my rant about the Giants, but Tom... If by some miracle this happens, by all means, screenshot this. Because watch, what if the Giants, by some miracle, find a way to win this game that they shouldn't? I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that's happened, no? I mean, last week. And there I go again, putting that hope in back, back in my head. Clearly, I've never learned. Well, um, I will say this. The Giants tend to play better and more tougher against the harder teams. That's usually how the Giants roll, right? The easier teams they tend to play terribly against. They either yeah. squeak out a close win or drop it. When the hard teams play, when they lose, it's usually, you know, with the exception of the Dallas game last week and the San Francisco game last year, they've been pretty tight. Look at the Tampa Bay game, for example, last season. So I think the Giants are not going to um, – to lose in blowout fashion. I think it's going to be relatively close game until the fourth quarter 
where I think the Rams score a touchdown to pull away, make it a two-possession win. So, Sam, Hank, thank you so much for joining me tonight. A quick reminder, we are now broadcasting on YouTube as well, in addition to Facebook, so make sure to go check us out there. Follow, review, and preview on all of our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. Our YouTube channel at Big Blue Avenue as well, where we post Giants exclusive content. And here is our gear. Get your Review and Preview Sports merchandise available today. Our campaign lasts until October 25th, and if we like the results, we'll extend it. For all of you folks, we have some nice coffee mugs. We have long-sleeve shirts, uh, short-sleeve shirts, and sweaters as well. I know Sim and Hank already got theirs. I'm going to go get mine tonight, so if you're looking at this graphic right now, make sure you buy yourself some Review and Preview Sports merch. Uh, Folks, we appreciate you all joining us tonight, and let's go Big Blue.